Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Gladen, the global pastor of small groups from Saddleback Church, pulls from his over 25 years of experience to encourage and equip listeners like you to lead small group ministry. So let's listen and learn together. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on small groups. I am Derek, your host with the main man, your other host, the man whose very initials stand for small groups. And John Shin, who is our connections pastor at our Irvine South campus. John, give a little shout out and a little hello. What's up? What's up? I'm here. <laughs> and if you're good to hear his voice a lot, but uh, every year for our connections pastors at Saddleback Church, we do a, uh, a retreat where we get them away for a day. And at this particular retreat, one of the things we did in one of the blocks was uh, some of the Connections pastors did workshops. And uh, on this one, John did one on recruiting. I happened to be sitting in it and thought, oh my goodness, this is a show we have to do uh, because he walked through eight particular ways that you got to do recruiting. And as you guys know from past episodes, I'm all about recruiting that you've got to be looking two, three years down the road uh, of what you're going to be needing in recruiting today for tomorrow. And so part of what John is is got outlined here is going to be really, really good. So John, give us a little bit about your background first so the audience knows a little bit about this voice that's coming at him. And uh, besides uh, the star-studded outfits that you always have, you ever go to our Irvine South Campus John is usually sporting a bow tie. Uh, he uh, probably one of the few that wear a tie of any sorts on any of our campuses, our 21 campuses. Uh, but he is always sporting a hat too. But he's sporting today. So give us a little 30 second intro on who John Shin is. Yeah. Thanks, Steve, for letting me be here. And thanks, Derek, for uh, getting me connected here and getting me all set up. My name is John. And uh, my tag at the Irvine South Campus, because we have so many people on staff, is that I'm the only pastor in a bow tie. So that is my line, and it's hard for anyone to miss me, and I want people to connect with me so I can get them into groups or uh, talk about ministry and life, things like that. Yeah, I've been a pastoral ministry for about, I think, like almost 20 years now. I used to be a church planning pastor, did elementary ministry. Those were fun days. My wife and I did so many VBSs, and I actually actually teach. As an adjunct professor for a little bit, I taught undergrad for a little bit at Biola and taught some online classes for Talbot School of Theology, Hermeneutics, and New Testament Survey. So I am an academic geek. I am a nerd. I like, I'm that guy that if you want to talk about the iota in the Greek word in the New Testament, I'll talk about that. With That's fun stuff with me. And a little bit uh, about my past before that, we were talking a little bit about that. I, I bleed cardinal and gold. I'm a Trojan. I'm from USC the greatest school in Southern California. My wife is also from SC. And so uh, we were both uh, Cardinal and Gold. And we got three kids. I got Matthew, who just turned 10. So I'm so sad about wow. that. He just hit double digits. And I got a second. Her, her name is Haven. And she's seven. And I got a third. She, her name is uh, uh, Hollyanna, and she's three. And uh, she's a wild child. And so, uh, it's fun. Ministry's fun. Family life is always, always fun. Lots of do stuff in the home and uh, always uh, looking for creative ways to build a kingdom of God. <laughs> hey, John, just uh, obviously you've you got a gorgeous family and I'm glad you represented and chat about them. Uh, do you, uh, let me rewind this a little bit too, because you do a little bit with 
uh, Korean pastors. And uh, can you unpack that and just share a little bit to the audience what, what you do there? Yeah, so uh, it's a little bit interesting because uh, I'm no longer with that organization anymore, but I am still helping them. And what I was doing was I was trying to help a school trying to connect first and second generation Korean pastors who are more Korean speaking. These are like immigrants from South Korea and then Korean American English speaking pastors. And we were trying to create a bridge between these two generations. I think only uh, people who are part or have experienced an immigrant church would understand that in these type of churches, what usually happens is the the parents, because they immigrated from their from the country, they're a little bit more used to their their native tongue, and so they have services all in in Spanish or in Korean or in Chinese. But the children, because they're born in America, are more Americanized, speak English, and they're kind of being raised under these dual cultures. It's like you're one culture in the home, one culture in the church. So it's hard. It's hard doing church that way. And there's a lot of different obstacles and barriers and a lot of things divide these two cultures within the same church. And so the Korean church is very much the same way. And I was really trying to help the school bridge that gap and trying to make that connection between first gen and second gen, even now we're getting to third gen. Korean culture is a little bit behind Chinese and Japanese culture. They're like into fifth and sixth generation, but uh, Korean culture yeah. is like breaking into third generation right now. And so how do we bridge those generations together? What are the different problems that we got to talk about? And of course, what are the best solutions? Yeah. And I just, in the month of September, I was 10 days away from the office. I was in Seoul, Korea and Tokyo, Japan. And just picking up a lot of those different cultures and, and some of the setbacks. And so appreciate what you were doing there, but let's switch over to our, our show topic, which is recruiting. And in the small group world, recruiting is uh, of the essence that, that we got to do. And we want to walk you through uh, eight steps on recruiting. And so let's just dive right in, John. And one of the things that you brought up in, in, uh, in your talk was to write down pain points. And uh, besides writing my name down, uh, after that, you, you had some wisdom about what pain points are. So talk to me about uh, what do you mean by uh, writing down pain points? And uh, Derek and I will be going back and forth through uh, extracting out of you all this stuff on recruiting and what it means for a small group point person. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a process. So if I was talking to someone who is recruiting for their ministry, I would first ask them, what are your needs in the ministry? And I think this is a basic question, but a lot of times, depending on the size of your church and size of your ministry, you're just so bombarded with, you just need so much help that sometimes you forget, you have to clarify, like, what are your actual needs? Like, tell me exactly the ministry and the team and the need that you have right now. And when I say pain points, this is comes from these three levels that I talked about in that workshop. And the pain point is obviously the last level, the level three, the most important. And that is the need that you have right now. What is causing you the most pain? This is like the ministry that you hate doing. It's draining all your energy. It's like the stuff that you you, you don't want to do it. You wake up and you're like, oh, I don't want to go to church today because I have to do this thing. Or maybe it's a pain point that it's not that you hate doing it, but it's really taking up a lot of your time and you do really need to focus on other things. What is causing you the most pain? 
And that is the ministry or the hole that you have to fill in first so that you could focus on other things or so that you'd be happier at church and you don't hate coming into the office. And so the process starts off with clarifying what are your needs and then splitting up those needs into three different levels. I call it easy. These are things that you, know, you don't have to really worry about. Um, they are needs. You know, you're not going to die if you don't fill those holes. And there's a middle level. It's a need. And it does require you to fill this hole. But it's also important because if you don't address it soon, it will eventually become a pain point. So you're probably around level two and level three, the needs level. And then, of course, level three, the pain level, like the pain point. You got to fulfill these needs as soon as possible so that you don't burn yourself out. We're going to get into just a little bit. We're going to get into those three levels and go into those a little bit deeper. But the thing I love about the pain points that you're talking about here, there's is the two, there's two aspects to it. There are the things that you're just not gifted to do. And so you want to be able to get people to help you do those things. But the other thing, which I think is important too, is that as you scale, sometimes you got to let go of things. Uh, like for me, one of the most passionate things I, I love to do is uh, when I first came on at Saddleback, we only had a hundred or so groups. And so I was, I was hands-on with every one of the group leaders. And so uh, as the ministry grew, I had to let go of that and recruit other people to do that. And so there may be things that you just got to let go. So you, there's scalability. So I think that the first point is really good is assessing different types of needs that, that are out there, depending now, if you're a church of 50, it's going to be a little bit different on the needs that you have versus a church of you know, 1,500. So super good on point one. Yeah, I really enjoyed, John, how you start out with these eight steps to recruiting in, uh, man, right down your pain points. Start there. That's really good. Love that. Okay, number two here, you've got uh, we, that we need to think beyond the norm and get creative. So how do we do that? Unpack that, please, for us. How do we get creative and think beyond the norm in recruiting? So usually when we write down our needs, the ministry needs, we'll think of like obvious things like I need more small group leaders or I need more teachers or you know, we just the basics. But what I mean by get creative here, and it goes into a little bit of what we'll talk about later, but uh, try to think of as many different roles as possible. So if you have to grab a box to set up for an event, build a box grabbing ministry, okay? Get creative. You What you want is to think of every and any role you can so that no matter who you're talking to, no matter who you're talking to, all right, you're going to have a team for them. And so this might sound bad, but let's not take it the evil way. I'm really trying to take this in a way where we're trying to get as many people involved. And so when I think about any event, any ministry, anything that I have to do, every single thing that I have to do, can I get someone to help me with that? Whether it's setting up a table, whether it's passing out plates, whether it's calling the vendors, can I get someone to help me? Now, it sounds like I'm trying to be lazy and I don't want to do my job, all right? But that's not it. I'm trying to get as many people to serve in the ministry as possible. I'm trying to get as many people to be part of my team as possible. And so some of the examples that I provided at that workshop was, of course, in our ministry, small groups, we have the basics. These are the things that people talk about, small group hosts or, or different roles where you have to put together a small group curriculum and things like that. Those 
kind of obvious, but I have things like uh, small group uh, event setup teams, small group event teardown team. I have things like small group care caller. Do you want to call up some hosts, see how they're doing? I have things like, hey, I don't want to deal with people that are awesome, all right? I got a small group computer admin team, all right? I will think as creative as I can to get everyone and anyone in my team. Anything that I have to do, I'm going to think, okay, how can I get someone to do this with me? Or maybe they could just take over that. And then I could focus on other things because we all know there's always something else that we could focus on. And so get as creative as possible. Yeah, which leads into point three pretty easily because uh, you'd mentioned it before about your three levels of uh, you know, that are happening in your pain levels. And uh, so obviously you, you're talking about pain points on the first point. And then on the second point, you're talking about, you know, to think beyond the norm and get creative in, in that, which kind of spills into these three levels. And uh, uh, talk to us about the three levels and what you're meaning by that. Yeah. So like I said, so level one, I call it the easy level. These are things that you can do. It's easy for you. It's not wearing you out. These are not the things that you wake up and like, you don't want to go into the office. It's basic. It's either basic because the, the responsibility is basic or it's basic as in, yeah, it's not fun, but again, it's not breaking my back. So these are the kind of the areas where like I go back to the setup team. I could easily set up for a small group host mm -hmm. gathering or appreciation. I could do that. It's easy. It doesn't take that yeah. much time. However, it would be great if I could get some help with that and, and build a team and build some more volunteers, build some more relationships. The level two is the need team. These are things for, again, maybe it's stuff that doesn't really excite you or maybe it is pulling you away from different things that you feel like you're more passionate about, or it's a little bit, you're pulling things away from you that are more in your wheelhouse, your skill set. So these are needs. You have really big needs right now that uh, you would love to fulfill and get some other people to take over so that you could focus on other things. Now, level two is most critical because level two usually is the level where if you disregard level two and put it off, it turns into level three which is the pain point. It has become painful. And what usually happens is a level two need usually becomes a pain point because you weren't able to make a team or, or fill that team. And what happens is at our church, we all know this, new things are coming up all the time. We're like in sixth gear. We have NOS. We're at nitro speed, driving with Vin Diesel. And because so many new things have come in, it has pushed level two need to a pain point because now we're, we're really focused on right now. We're in a new curriculum, new small groups, things like that. And so those level two needs became pain points. And so level two is critical. When we don't think about that, uh, we, we tend to now, oh no, new project came up and they have become pain points. So we don't want to leave level two needs there for very long because they will become pain points and then we know pain points is we don't want to do it. It's draining us. It's pulling us away from really critical, essential needs in our ministry that we have to focus on. And we got to fill those pain points as soon as possible. That's if when we don't, that's when we get burnt out. We don't enjoy ministry anymore. And then Steve, I start calling you. I need a free lunch. We got we to gotta have a counseling session. <laughs> 
get you off the ledge. Get you off the ledge. I back to these pain levels real quick, John. So are you saying that if you do what you should be doing, the leader, and you're taking care of the easy level and then the need level, can you actually eliminate the pain level altogether if you're focused on knocking out these needs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great way to think about these three levels. If you can be on top of level one and level two, you will eliminate level three. That's a great point, Derek. I'm stealing that. I'm adding that into my presentation now. Let that motivate you. Be on top of level one and level two so nothing ever becomes a pain point. Yeah, the thing I also loved is that you know, a lot of the easy levels are very in it. You know, they got a good start point and an end point. Uh, and that, what's, that's what makes them easy and an easy grab for people is because they know, hey, I can do this and I'm done with it where the needs may be a little bit more uh, ongoing and, and growing into it. So, good stuff. Good point, Derek. Great stuff. Man, take that to the bank. Take notes on the pain levels. Yeah. All right, jumping to number four. You've got, uh, it's a special tip. Think about behind the scenes ministry. What do you mean by special tip? So this goes a little bit with the creative side. And then what I mentioned before, where uh, I'll take everyone and anyone. And so here's a special tip. When we are recruiting volunteers for your ministry, think outside the box. In our ministries here, we're small groups. So people tend to think, Oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be a teacher. That's what they usually think about. I don't want to lead a Bible study or I'm not a facilitator. I'm not a people person. So a special tip is after you list your levels and after you start kind of writing some names down in each level, you're trying to think of people to, to put in these, uh, each of these levels. All right. What you also want to do is think about uh, different styles of ministry. So I call it uh, behind the scenes ministries or there's kind of, Minor interaction with people. Maybe you got some people skills, some social skills, but you're not like Steve going up to a conference, speaking to a thousand people, right? Maybe you're like, I could deal with three or five or a couple conversations here and there. And then you got the people, people, they, they love people. They'll talk with people. They're like the busy people. They'll, they'll talk to everyone and anyone. They'll just give them a person. As long as they're alive and breathing, they'll just talk. Many people have their own little personality, introvert, extrovert, things like that. And a lot of people, when they talk to me, they always think, oh, I don't want to lead a Bible study. And I tell them, no, no, don't worry. You don't have to do any of that. And I try to recruit them. And I tell them, I have a ministry for you. Tell me exactly what you're looking for. I have everything and anything. You don't like people? Awesome. You won't have to deal with people ever. You'll be behind the scenes. No one will even find you. You love people? Awesome. I got these roles for you. You'll be talking with them, calling with them, all right? Oh, you like minor interaction. It's not like you like crowds of people and maybe you don't want to talk to someone every day. You like a balance. Guess what? I got something for you. That introvert, extrovert thing is huge because a lot of people, they don't want to serve because they're scared. Well, I don't want to teach second graders or you know, I, I want a little bit more something exciting. Don't just put me in a ministry where I'm just like uh, lifting boxes all day. But there are people who are like that too. They like lifting boxes. I don't like people. All right, great. I won't put you with people. So a special tip here is when you're talking with the person, feel them out, but let them know, hey, I got ministries for you. I got roles for you that are behind the scenes. You just want to be in front of a computer, do it from home. Awesome. Or I got stuff for you where you love people. Great. 
I'll put you in front of as many people as I can and let's start trying to figure this out for you. Uh, I always tell people this, that if they're explaining their love, their passion to you, and you're thinking, well, gosh, I don't have anything like that in my ministry, make up a role for them. You make it up for them on the spot. As a person who's trying to find volunteers, I will not let anyone go. Like if I'm talking with them, my goal is you're mine. I'm taking you. <laughs> I'm going to make up a role for you. It doesn't exist. Guess what? It exists now because now I know that's what you love. And I will make it up in my ministry because we all know in our churches, everyone's fighting for volunteers. I'm going up against student ministries and elementary and worship. All right. So we're all fighting for the same person, Jack, whoever he is. I want Jack. I'm going to get him and I will pitch to him the best pitch I can. I got something for you. Oh, you're passionate about that? Guess what? I got that in my ministry. So remember that with people because again, that that whole introvert, extrovert thing, it really does scare people from serving in a ministry because commonly when people here serve, they always think teacher. They always think teacher. I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach Bible study. That's what they always think. And then when you talk with them, you just encourage them. Guess what? I got, I got so many different roles and ministries for you. Let's start talking about your passion. What do you love to do? And then recruit them. I love it. Love it. Okay, John, we've spent a lot of time talking about, and, and rightfully so, mapping out you know, some of the strategies and, and forcing us to think through, okay, what do we actually need? And you know, where are the pain points? And you know, what are the levels and things like that? So point five, we talk about, let's get into the pragmatic of it. So how do we actually go about and do the recruiting? How do we go you know, in, in those steps? I know you've got four, four steps that you do in recruiting. Uh, let's get down to the practice. And so we're at a point now where we can, let's recruit. How do we do it? Okay. Step number one, who do you know? Who do you know right now? Write those names down. Write down as many names as you can. And if you only got one or two, na two names, that, that should be very telling. You are not connecting with enough people. Who do you know at your church right now? If you only got one or two names, then go shepherd some people. You got to get to know your flock. Write down as many names as you can. Start with those names. You need to start talking to them as soon as possible. So you write Jack's name down. Okay, we got Jack. Oh, talk to him. What does he love? Here's step number two. What does Jack like? Does he like working with his hands? Is he a people person? Is he a computer guy? Is he a visionary? He just loves to dream and just think in the stars, right? What does he or she love to? What's their passion? What's their focus? What's their skill set? Here's another special tip. Don't assume that their field of work is what they love doing in ministry. <laughs> if they're a second grade teacher, don't just assume, oh, why don't you teach? Oh, I don't know if they want to do that. They're already doing that 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Oh, you, you love doing computer software. Can you build software for my church? Well, don't make that assumption. Let them tell you. Let them tell you. So have a conversation with these people. What do they love? What do they enjoy? As they are explaining those things, you're going to find something. And then you start honing in on that passion. Now it's time for you to ask questions. You love working in your hands. Well, do you like bullets and stuffing? Do you like building things? Do you like lifting? Are you just a setup person? Now you start uh, opening up that passion of theirs because as you talk about their passion, you're going to 
clarify and clarify. You, as they explain the love that they have, start asking them about, it. what do you love about teaching? Are you a study person? You just like being in front of a pulpit? You just want to talk? You're a testimony guy? Start unpacking that. And guess what? Here's a win-win here. You're getting to know the person. You're building a relationship. Yeah. This is awesome. And then, of course, as they tell you what they enjoy, you should be in your mind. You're making up a role for them. You know exactly where to put them. Okay, because then at the end, you're going to say, guess what? Can you help me? Can you help me one time? And here's the pitch, because a lot of people, they're scared about commitment. So they just say to them one time, can you help me one time? That's it. One time. If you hate it, awesome. Hey, no worries. Just one time. Can you just hang out with me one time? Let's do something together. Hang out with me. And as they're serving with you that one time, guess what? You're getting to know them, building the relationship. You're talking with them. And of course, you're trying to make it an enjoyable experience so that they commit to it and do it again after. But really let them know. I think this is important because people are scared. I don't want to get locked into like a year contract. Just yeah. one time. I just need help one time. And at the end of that experience, if, the, if it was enjoyable, you're going to ask them, hey, what do you think? Do you want to can you come out to this again? Is this something that you're enjoying? And if it's not, don't let them go. You're going to start all over and keep on fine. Okay, what else can we find for you? And if they love it, well, then you're in. You got them. But when you get them to serve that one time, you better try everything and anything possible to get them to join your team. Because that's a huge, huge win right there. If they're going to say yes, yeah. don't lose them. Don't lose them. You got them. You got them. Don't lose them. You better make sure that they stay on your team. A couple things as you're talking there, John, about these four steps in recruiting, and I want to repeat them so the audience can lock in on them. You want to talk to people. Oh, and one of the things that I would encourage you is that whether, you, like John said, if you don't have many people, you got to get out there. But every weekend I'm on the patio, I'm always trying to say, who can I get to know that I don't know right now that I may be a potential person I'm going to be recruiting somewhere in there? So, you know, talk to people, find out what they do enjoy. And I, I love where you're going with that is that the more you link into their passions and the more they do what they're passionate about, the more the byproduct is they feel value. And when people feel value, they're more likely to give you time because they're getting supported from that. The third thing is this focus on their passions. And this is where you may have to create a role for them, which I think is brilliant. You've got to be able to do that. And the fourth thing was the fourth level is there is a person for one-time opportunity to help. Wrapped up in these four points, the thing I would encourage you is what I've learned is oftentimes when you're recruiting, sometimes you say no for the person before you've even asked them. And you're like, going, oh, they're too busy or they might, they, I know that they're going to say no ahead of time. Don't say no for the person. Let the Holy Spirit just chat with them. You don't know what's going on. So uh, I love this fifth point, and I think it's it's very worth worthwhile to for people to sink into their mind these four levels and, and get it played out. Yeah, John. On number four, you had a special tip, um, which I would also call a pro tip. But I think you could add that in for number five here too. This last little nugget on number five: get them to serve one time. That's like a pro tip level there. Love it. Yeah. Get, them, get them a taste of it one time and then ask them, hey, did you like it? That was awesome. Okay. Um, jumping down to uh, number uh, six, correct? Yep. It says 
Um, in your notes, you say, always say thank you to your volunteers. Now, that sounds so simple, but I have a feeling there's a lot more to this. So uh, break down the science of always saying thank you to your volunteers. So this is kind of part of the retention. We got the team. We got the people. And again, this kind of depends on the size of your church, maybe, or maybe the size of your ministry. But we sometimes forget that they're volunteers. We forget these are not paid staff members. Now, of course, they're doing it for the Lord and for Jesus. Of course, but we all know that. But they are helping. They are working. They're helping out in the ministry, and they enjoy it. But we don't want to forget that they're here, and we want to always show them appreciation, show them love, and say thank you as much as possible. Because at any time, they could say, ah, you know what, I'm going to step out for different reasons. Maybe, unfortunately, sometimes they step out because you know, it's not enjoyable anymore. Or maybe they felt like they were taken advantage of, and now it's like we just expect them to do it. Oftentimes, we are so used to, so comfortable. Maybe some of us have solid teams. Everything's going well that you forget. Like, remember, these guys are here because they're volunteering. So we want to say thank you. We got to show them love. Every weekend, every week when I come to our uh, service, I'll see people walk past me. They're not even on my teams. And I always say, thank you so much. Thank you so much for serving the coffee. Oh, thank you so much, Bulletin Stuffing Team. You guys are here at 7 in the morning. Thank you. I'm yeah, saying no thank you often. often, often. And now I know sometimes you feel like, oh, won't they get sick of it? Well, maybe, but I feel like it feels good to be thanked. Now, I'm not giving them a Gettysburg address. I'm just saying thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping out here because I know they're here. They're giving their time. I'm showing them love. When it comes to your teams, not only say thank you, but if you can, depending on your budget, things like that, you know, um, do some thank you meal. Do some gathering. You, know, you don't have to do once a month or something like that, break the bank, but maybe once a year, like a nice little Christmas thank you appreciation yeah. gathering. I think everyone loves to eat, and they love just enjoying some time together, and it's a good reminder. They feel appreciated. And I think that's a really good way to have good retention. Not only were you saying thank you and having some fun, but take those moments, cast some vision, remind them of why they're here, remind them about the ministry that they're part of, get them excited, get them to believe that I'm here making a difference, doing some damage for the kingdom of God. Those are all good times, good little pep rallies to remind them, hey, you're here, you're making a difference. And I want to let you know that, of course, God sees you, I see you. I'm so thankful for you. Something I say a lot to my teams is, and this is truth, without you guys, there'd be no small groups ministry. It, it'd be gone. There's no way yeah. I could take care of close to 200 small groups, close to a, you know, a thousand people trying to get connected. To that. There's no way. I, I say that. It is the truth. There will be no small group ministry without you. So I'm so thankful to the Lord that you guys are here and that we're serving together. You don't want to overthink it too. And I think there's many ways that you can uh, say thank you to people. And John, you expressed strong right there. I can remember when I first started out in ministry, I only had five small groups, but we just did a little dinner at our apartment and uh, just invited people over with that. And you can do, you can be very creative. You can do a potluck where they all bring something or you can cook the meal for them. Uh, we stumbled on a thing one time where we invited the people over and we forgot to make the meal. And so we had all the groceries and uh, all the group leaders, we all cooked dinner together and it became a 
we stepped into it, but it was a great way that it was an appreciation uh, moment. And obviously, written notes, written cards, text, all kinds of things will do that. So, uh, number seven, you talk about don't let them get bored. And you're talking my love language on pathways. I have a pathway for everything. So, uh, but talk to us about this. You don't want them to get bored. What are you doing, baby? So this is really advanced level stuff here. You got your recruiting, you're retaining, you're saying thank you, you're doing the ministry thing. But you got to look at a broad scope here. You got to remember that some of these people, they got skills, they got passion, yeah. or they're coming in and they will develop a passion, develop skills. And remember, you're always thinking not just recruiting, retaining, but you want to build. Always build. Build your ministry out. Build up people. Build up leadership. And so always be on the lookout for your volunteers. They might be a setup person. All they do is tables and chairs. But they might get bored with that, and they might be looking for something a little bit more. Don't let them leave. Don't let them think, you know what? Uh, your ministry is like too elementary for me now. I need something great. I'm on a move. Don't let them jump ship. Remind them that your ship has got that level. And so develop a pathway. You want to be on the lookout to always take people down a pathway. Maybe their passion changes. Maybe their wheelhouse changes. Or maybe you notice something in them. You know what? This person could start to take over here. Release. Release. Let them lead. Let them take over. Let them be the one who is in charge. You're working with them still, of course. They're not going rogue, but they are now the ones who are heading up the small group host appreciation night, or they're the ones who are heading up kind of the small group care ministries. These are all good things, but how do you do that? You got to always be talking with these people. Hey, how are you doing? What are you noticing about your ministry experience? Or, hey, I noticed, you know, you've been like six months. Are you looking for something a little bit more? That's a really good question to ask because sometimes we assume, oh, they're happy. That's they're right. happy. They're doing, well, maybe they're not. But a lot of times people, they're a little bit scared to ask that question. Oh, I don't want to talk to the pastor about that. Or maybe it's that humility thing like, oh, I don't want to sound prideful. So as the pastor, as a shepherd, go pull it out of them. Hey, I noticed that you've been here for a couple Do you, Are you looking for something a little bit more? And it's a win-win scenario. They might say, no, I, just keep me here. I just love doing awesome. Hey, I'm just checking. I'm just checking in. Or you might spark something inside. Them. You know what? Yeah, like I feel like I've been here and there's a cool conversation there. And you want to take them down that pathway. And you want to let them become the leader, the teacher, whoever it is. Make up the role for them. But always be thinking about your teams. Build out more teams. Uh, I used to be campus experienced. And I used to say this. Hey, I'll take 100 greeters. Give them all to me. I'll take a hundred greeters. I'll have a greeter for every parking spot. I'll take them all. Build out your teams. Never, ever, ever say no. Never say my team is too much. I already got enough. No, you never have enough. Take them all. Take them down a pathway. Build into the flock. Build into the sheep. Yeah. So good. So, so good. So much work to be done. Um, obviously. Ministry leaders listening to this, don't get overwhelmed, but just start somewhere. And But I just love what you're unpacking, John, that there's so much when it comes to recruiting beyond just who can I grab, right? 
it's all this behind the scenes building out a path a development pathway this is so great okay i get to take us home with the last one number eight you've got set a deadline to recruit nothing happens without deadlines unpack this for us please so if something is a pain point if you have a need in church and in ministry Nothing's going to happen without a deadline. All you're going to do is you're just going to think about it. You're just always going to be thinking about it, and you're just going to build something, a, build a plan. But there is no execution of the plan if there is no deadline. And the deadline is a little bit more set the deadline so that if you don't meet it by that, okay, reassess, reevaluate, and get, and get going. But set a deadline. you got to have a goal or else you're never going to follow through with the plan. Now, I think it's really key here to know what is the flow of your church and your year. Every church has a different flow, a different kind of, you, know, you guys got certain things going on in the year. At Saddleback, we have different pockets of the year that are a little bit more relaxed. And then there's like high, high grade stuff. We know like right now, fall to December for us, and we are in sixth gear and we're moving. So what are those times where you feel like, okay, this is a kind of a good time where I could write set a deadline so that uh, this is a downtime that I could set where I could try to get three, five, ten volunteers. But set that deadline. Set an actual month and year. You know, okay, I got to really try to fill this out by this time. I think for us, and maybe in our church, because you know we have different campuses. Different campuses might be a little bit different, but everyone south, but September, August usually is a good little pocket before the fall kicks in. And then January is a nice little pocket there. It's post-Christmas. January is usually re more relaxed for us, okay? So and those are two kind of big ministry, real big volunteer recruitment pushes that we do at our campus. But what is a good time of the year? Don't do it if things are crazy. I wouldn't suggest December. It's Christmas time. There's a lot of things going on. People are on vacation, right? You, you People are not even at your church right now at, the, at December. So what are those good months of the year? You feel like, okay, these are some good times to recruit, good times to have conversations and set a deadline because without a deadline, you're always going to be planning, planning and planning and no execution. And John, I love this. I loved it when I heard it. I love it on the podcast with all that. And so John Shin, our Connections Pastor at the Irvine South Campus of Saddleback Church. It's always great to have a fellow, fellow small group pastor uh, at the same church. It's always fun to hear, hear the knowledge and everything you got to share and love your passion and all that. Uh, the eight points, we'll, we'll, um, we'll put them in the show notes and uh, so you can kind of You'll review them and look at them. Uh, recruiting is so important. And I just want to encourage you. It's something we got to do 24-7 all the time and always be looking out for our ministry because people, people move on, people develop, and uh, all kinds of things. Life happens. And so uh, you want to keep that on the forefront of your brain. So uh, Derek, bring us home. And uh, any housekeeping that we need to do, let, let's uh, uh, go. And John, appreciate you as always. Yeah, Thanks, John, guys. thank you so much for your time and for jumping on today. You brought the heat. You brought the fire. Love your passion and energy, man. So uh, to everybody listening, make sure you take notes on this stuff. And um, you can click the link in the show notes of this podcast or video wherever you're watching and um, see the breakdown of John's outline. 
And uh, we just want to thank you again, John, and thank everybody for listening to SG Squared. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Our hope and prayers at this podcast episode encouraged you and equipped you to lead better small group. Well, until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to dive in deeper, get more resources, or join the Small Group Network, just head over to smallgroupnetwork.com.